The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hey, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, internal audit. Ooh, I wonder what kinds of emotions that is evoking in our listeners right now. Uh, It's truth time. I have three important questions for you. How will you answer these relating to your company? Number one, do your board of directors and audit committee understand the role of internal audit? No, it's not a loaded question. It's just a question. And do you know what your internal auditors really, really do? That's two-parter. Question number two. Do you describe your audit committee as weak or strong? Hmm, if you have to think about it, that could be a problem. And third question. If your internal auditors are your heroes, Are they unsung? Boo-hoo. Or are they celebrated? Sounds good to me. So the experts speak. I have a loaded panel of great minds here today talking about internal audit. We're going to be hearing from John Frazier at Hydro One Networks. He says, part of what distinguishes high-reliability organizations from other organizations is the extent to which they obsess about the question of what they ignore. I think that's a conundrum. I think it's a riddle. How much do they obsess about what they ignore? That is a quote from Managing the Unexpected by Carl Wick and Kathleen Sutcliffe from the University of Michigan Business School. Great quote sent to us by John Frazier. He will tell us why he picked that quote and what it means for us. Renee Murphy from Forrester is trying to reach us. She's not here yet. She's stranded somewhere in Arkansas. We're hoping she joined us. But here's an interesting quote from Renee. Trust is not control. Luck is not a strategy. Hmm. Sounds like she's got some gambler in her blood. We'll be talking to her in a few minutes if she can join us. And rounding out the panel today is our old friend who's been on the show before, Norman Marks, formerly from SAP. And Norman says, internal audit has two roles to inform the board and top management, parentheses, does the organization have adequate processes for risk and compliance management, very important, and the second role, to persuade, meaning to help management improve those systems with two things, recommendations and rah-rah cheerleading. So join us for the next hour for the role of internal audit, GRC police or driver. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio, presenting by SAP. We are live May 14, 2013. I think the whole world is at Sapphire now, 2013 in Orlando, SAP's huge tech conference. What great keynotes this morning. I watched on the SAP.com TV channel and amazing energy, wonderful news, good things for companies all over the world. But we're here giving you SAP Financial Excellence Radio, so I hope you'll stay with us. If you're listening live, welcome. If you're listening to us on demand, hey, contact me if you have any questions at bonnie.d.gram at SAP. 
KJP.com. I have a quick question for my Game Changer listeners. Your vast volumes of business data demand instant access and timely, insightful analysis. Need help? SAP HANA to the rescue. Click any banner on our show page on the Business Channel, and you can access a free value calculator. Do the math. Figure it out with our compliments. Okay, let me tell you who my panel is today. John Frazier, Senior VP, Internal Audit, and the former Chief Risk Officer of Hydro One Networks, one of North America's largest electricity transmission and distribution companies. John reviews all key risks in the business. That's why he's here. That encompasses finance, technology, safety, environment, and operations. He is the co-author of the CICA's publications, 20 Questions Directors Should Ask About Risk and 20 Questions Directors Should Ask About Internal Audit. Welcome, John Fraser. How are you today? I'm fine. It's great to be here. Thank you. What's that accent I detect? Where are you from originally, John? Well, I'm originally from Barbados, and you don't lose an accent very much like the Scottish folk. And uh, my ancestors were originally from Scotland, but uh, then they went to Barbados, and then I came to Canada. What a charming mix. I love it. We'll be talking to you more. I want to Thank know, you. is Renee Murphy with us? Renee, are you on the line yet? We don't have Renee yet. Okay, no. All right, we're hoping she'll call in. She's having some technical issues. I'll just tell you that she's a senior analyst at Forrester Research, serving security and risk professionals. We will talk to her if and when she joins us, but we'll incorporate some of her talking points into the show. That's good. And Norman Marks, you're calling all the way from a hotel somewhere in Scotland. Norman has CPA and CRMA after his name. He was a vice president and evangelist at SAP, focusing on governance, risk management, internal audit, compliance, enterprise performance, and the value of information. Norman has been a CAE, Chief Audit Executive, of major global companies since 1990, and he's the author of several books, including, let me get my notes here, including the Institute of Internal Auditors, Minimize Costs and Increase the Value of Your Sarbanes-Oxley 404 Program. This has been described in the popular press as the best Sarbanes-Oxley 404 guide out there for management. Welcome back, Norman Mark. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bonnie. Enjoying John Fraser's homeland. <laughs> That's right. And you're in Scotland. You're on. You're semi-retired, and you're on semi-vacation. And we're delighted that you took the time to join us. You're a little little distant from me, but I think the listeners can probably hear you because Brad will take care of your level. So thank you so much for calling in, Norman. Really appreciated. Okay, let's go back and pull apart the quotes. I'm going to concentrate on John and Norman. A little more time for each of you because Renee isn't with us. But if she joins, we'll just insert her into the conversation. So John, you sent me a quote from Carl Wick and Kathleen Sutcliffe from the University of Michigan Business School. Very interesting quote. Part of what distinguishes high reliability organizations from others, and we haven't described who those others are, is the extent to which they obsess about the question of what they ignore. Talk to me, John. What does this mean in English? Well, it's one of the best books I've read on risk and on management, and it describes how uh, nuclear operating uh, facilities or aircraft carriers, for example, how they operate. They have zero tolerance for risk, and they spend a lot of time worrying about it and trying to make sure that everything is done very well. Uh, so they're examples of, of high, high reliability organizations. And in terms of the others, if you think back to how, for example, the banks operated over the last 20 years, back in the 80s and, and before that, the banks obsessed only about credit risk. And things like derivatives and market risks were virtually uh, not even on the table. 
And then in the 90s, there were a couple of derivative problems, and suddenly that became a hot topic, and market risks became, and the word derivatives was actually then sort of coined and became very uh, important. And suddenly there were obsession about credit and market risks, but they really weren't worrying about operating risks operations. And then that has now been the recent vogue since Basel um, uh, brought that to the table. But the whole point is that management, being human, tends to worry about the last crisis and what hope it wouldn't happen again. And they don't spend enough time looking forward to proverbially what is described as what can bite you. And so this book was very important in, in describing this and the methods that they would take. So I thought it's an important thing for all management to worry about. I think it is very, very interesting. Thank you for that retrospective and that perspective. I appreciate it, John. And Norman, since we don't have Renee yet, let's turn to you. You've described the two roles of internal audit, informing the board and top management regarding adequate processes for risk and compliance management, and persuading, which includes recommending and cheerleading. Which of those two roles is top dog? What's more important, Norman, or are they equal? Bonnie, that's a, thank you for asking that question. The way that I see it is the role of what we call assurance provider comes first. And if you think about the role of the board, they're charged with providing oversight to make sure that the, the company, the organization, is being run the way it should be run and delivering value to the stakeholders and, uh, and such around and within the organization. And executive management is, is responsible for, again, driving the organization to optimize the value that's being delivered. They need to know that the organization and its processes, its people, its structure, its systems are operating the way in which they need to operate. And what internal audit can do is provide them with assurance that those processes and and the controls within the processes uh, are working the way they should and that risks to the organization's objectives, the achieving of uh, those objectives, are at the level's that they want them to be. So in other words, they're providing some peace of mind, some ability to say, yes, everything is working the way it should. Now I can continue driving the way that I want to and achieve my objectives. Now, where there are issues and opportunities for improving the way in which the organization um, is being run and, and therefore opportunities to improve the performance of the organization, then internal audit has this consulting role or what we call, I call it and you call it, a cheerleading rah-rah role, mm-hmm. which says, okay, here are some ways that you can improve. We found some deficiencies. Here's the way we suggest or we can work with you to identify ways to improve those processes. Uh, for example, you talked about HANA, you talked about analytics. So where mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to do that, then I would look to internal audit to be one of the people that says, are you making the best use of technology as well as the people, the processes, and the systems in general? Okay, Norman, thank you. Uh, we have about two minutes, be- one minute before the break. Well, I'm just going to ask a question for both of you. Uh, how many companies, you're, you're both well-traveled, you're both professionally astute, obviously, or you wouldn't be here on the panel today. Uh, how many companies are you aware of in what we'll call the big enterprise group? Let's ask John first. That would describe their audit committee as strong. 
John, what's your experience? Is this the norm today? Nope, no pun on Mr. Marks. Is this the is this the uh, average today that they would say, yes, our audit committee knows what they're doing, they understand the processes, they're doing their job, they're keeping us informed, and they're strong? Or would they say, eh, not so much, it's weak? What do you think? Sorry, I missed who would be answering this question because if you ask the audit committee members, they will probably give you a 99% saying that they're strong. <laughs> if you right. ask management, and McKinsey's done a number of studies in these in, within the last five years, you will get answers such as the audit committee or the board saying, you know, over, you know, almost half of them don't understand the risk or they're not sure what internal audit does, etc. So it really depends on, on who you ask. Great, great point. I think that's what I was looking for, was I needed to know what question to ask. Thank you, John. Norman, do you agree, disagree in your experience quickly before we go to break? I think that John has um, captured it very well. One of the problems for a board uh, in general and the audit committee in particular is that they have very little time to understand the organization and have information, and that really limits their capability. And one of the opportunities that internal audit provides is a way of getting that information and strengthening their oversight. Okay, thank you. We're going to go to break right now. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm with a panel of two today. It looks like John Fraser from Hydro One Networks in Canada and Norman Marks, formerly SAP, and he's vacationing in Scotland and gracious enough to call in. Our topic is internal audit, their role, GRC police or driver, cheerleader, or hmm, heavy-handed. We will find out more when we come back. Don't even think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. Je pense donc je suis. I'm going to ask my two guests, John Fraser and Norman Marks, what they're drinking today. You're in different parts of the world. It's, I don't know what time it is over there, Norman. We'll get to you second. But, John Fraser, what's in your cup today? Anything interesting? Coffee, tea, milk, water, juice, a blend? What is keeping you going today? Well, I'm not as lucky as Norman because it's probably cocktail hour in Scotland. 
But uh, <laughs> here in Canada, I'm drinking our famous Tim Hortons, which is the most popular coffee in Canada. Uh, cream, no sugar. It's named after a famous Canadian hockey player. He also played with the New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Buffalo Sabres. And he started a, a coffee chain that is, is taken off like wildfire and is very popular here. Very nice to know. Is there a special flavor you're drinking, or is it just one size fits I, all, I John? I just drink the regular. I'm not a flavored coffee kind of guy. <laughs> Thank you. I had to ask Norman Marks, Scotland, where are you? What part of Scotland, and what time is it, and what are you drinking? It's okay to mention a cocktail, Norman. It's 20 past five, so it's probably legal for me to um, be partaking of one of the, the fine Scottish malts, single malts. But... Um, here in Aberdeen, I'm actually limiting myself to some genuine Scottish tea. Oh, and is there a name or a flavor or a style? Is it caffeinated? I assume it's high-powered. What is it, Norman? Oh, it's caffeinated, although I don't always need it. <laughs> I'm with you, kid. Okay, is there a flavor to your tea? Um, I just like uh, Earl Grey tea or just uh, English dark breakfast tea. Ah, I'm with you. My two most, two most favorites. A lot of flavors coming down the pike, but I stick with the, the standbys that I think are still very flavorful. Sometimes they have some scent or aroma of some um, um, herbs or some, some sweetness in them that is just delightful. So enough about what we're drinking today, and I'm drinking water. Uh, Malcolm is in Sapphire, by the way, so I don't have his coffee today, and we, I'm assuming he's drinking somewhere. He's found an Equator's coffee, alligator French, somewhere from a machine somewhere, or else he just imported it into Florida. Okay, I want to kick this part of our roundtable, start it off with another quote John Fraser sent me before the show. It's a quote from the American novelist Upton Sinclair. This is interesting, and I I have a feeling it's a really great way to go right into the, the deep part of our conversation today. The quote is, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his job depends on not understanding it. How does this relate to our topic of audit committees, internal audit, policemen, or I should have said race car driver rather than just policemen? What's your thought on that, John Fraser? Well, it it really is the essence of, of dealing with the reality of internal audit. As you know, when we do internal audits, I or my staff, we're out dealing with what is often termed middle management, people at the front line managing the business. And they have a very narrow focus on achieving their job, looking good to their boss. So when internal auditors come in with a great suggestion of how to do something better or more effective or more efficient, and let's assume that it is a valid suggestion, often the department manager or business line manager doesn't really want to change anything. He or she is comfortable doing their job, and therefore any bright ideas that would involve greater effort or change are just not something they wish to engage in. So they will often say, oh, things like, you know, it wouldn't work here, or we tried that, or my boss doesn't want it, etc. And what happens then as you go higher up the organization to the more strategic levels, then the acceptance will often become more because the, the more senior person, the vice president, senior vice president, CEO, will say, hey, that makes sense. Yes, we may need to reorganize. Yes, change will need to be made. But, uh, you know, from a strategic point of view, it has a lot of benefit. So often we run into people at the lower levels of the organization who just don't want to change. They're comfortable. Mm, comfortable. That's the uh, the anathema, the enemy of progress, the enemy of innovation, the enemy of moving forward, wouldn't you say, in general, in business? Yes. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can give you an example. We, when yes, I, uh, several years ago, I was um, uh, looking at how we manage all of our assets. We're an asset management company with about $17 billion worth of electricity assets around the province. And when I looked at how they were managing them, I, they had something like 80 computer databases handling these assets. And I felt that this needed a complete rationalization and bringing it down to something more centralized. And so I went and had an audit done, identified all these databases and the duplication and, and, and so forth. And out of that, we entered into a massive project, which coincidentally resulted in us in implementing SAP and many of its various tranches, general ledger, payroll, etc., asset management mm-hmm. right across the company. And, in fact, we're going live in a month's time with our SAP customer uh, module dealing with our 1.2 million customers. So just the idea of making massive changes strategically uh, led to, you know, some pretty significant changes in this company. Very interesting. Norman, you want to comment on that before I get to some of your talking points here? What are your thoughts? Yes, I do. I, th- I think it's, it's rather interesting. You can get a diverse number of replies when you go to, to management, operating management or senior management with suggestions such as uh, John just described. One of them is sort of reminiscent of the question you just asked, which is when you go to them and you, you give them a, a suggestion, they say, what have you been drinking? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it's because they don't want to listen, they are complacent, as much as anything else. Uh, and the other one is, or, or just resistant to somebody else coming in and interfering. The other one, which I find is when you have a very healthy organization, is the manager says, this is a great opportunity. You have given me a great opportunity to sit back and actually think about the business and take a broader view, because I'm normally so focused on day-to-day operations that I'm unable to step back and really think. And with your support, with your input, with your ideas, together um, we can, I think, make some improvements within the business. And you are helping me uh, in my job of of, uh, performing and and running the business. Thank you, Norman. Norman, let's move to talk about the issue of risk. That's just such a big one here. There are so many types of risk. We've covered it on different editions of this show and on the Coffee Break with Game Changers show. Whose job is it to figure out what are the most significant risks that the internal audit folks should be paying attention to? Is that the committee's job? Is that the chief risk officer's job? Is it the internal audit's job to sit there, read the papers, read the Internet, and say, wow, there's a new risk out there today. There's a new trend. We'd better veer a little bit to the left and then to the right by 22 degrees and then down a hill and up a hill. And we're going to be heroes because we have identified the newest risk, and that's how we're going to gear what we're doing. Is it, how does it work, Norm? Norman, who's responsible for identifying the risks and deciding the priority? So the, the way I would put it is this, Bonnie. The, the organization's management as a whole is responsible for understanding the risks to the organization and the achievement of its objectives. So management is responsible for running the organization, considering its risks and taking those into account, and in fact, taking the right risks. Risk management mm-hmm. is not about avoiding risks. It's not about mitigating risk. It's about the taking risk because you won't have any reward if you don't take risks. The board is responsible for an oversight of that to make sure that management is doing its job well. Internal order, it should be assessing management's process for understanding and managing 
risks and taking the right risks and, and working on that. But it should be, in order to, to do that, it should be understanding what those risks are and then making sure that its program of audits, its audit plan, its list of engagements, the, the, the engagements that it's going to perform, are focused on the risks that matter to the organization because otherwise you can't tell the board and top management whether those risks are in fact being managed effectively by the organization's processes. Does that make Thank sense? Thank you, Norm. So yes, got, it makes sense. And, and go, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk a little more. I, I wanted to ask you to reinforce because we have a, a wide listening audience, John and Norman, and I'm, I'm suspecting we have some people listening right now to the show and who will hear this on podcast in, in a while who are small companies or risk takers. They're game changers. And they're probably saying, oh, I have to embrace a certain kind of risk. I have to make it a priority because without risk, as Norman well put, there is no reward. So who weighs in on how to prioritize those risks? What risks are worth taking other than the fact that they're starting a business at all in this environment that has so much promise and so much risk on the upside and the downside? Who? Who? Let, let's turn our attention to the smaller company, Norman and John. Who is tasked with, other than saying to all the, the angels and the stakeholders and the stockholders, and the, the money people, what is it, your, your circle of influence that may never want to talk to you again if, the, if the, the new company goes bust? Who is responsible for saying in the business plan, these are the risks we're willing to take because these signify growth versus these are the risks that, ah, just too much for us? Who decides that in a small company? Either one of you, please. That is absolutely, whether it's a small, medium, large, gargantuan colossus of an organization, it's always management, okay? okay, with the supervision and oversight of the board. Now, what internal audit does is it helps to, to ensure that management's processes are good and sound, but it's always up to management to know and to take the risk and take the responsibility for taking the risks. Would you agree, John? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, ultimately one can say the CEO owns the whole area of risk. And in a larger organization, then you can have a CRO, a chief risk officer, or equivalent function supporting that by going out and doing a lot of the heavy lifting and the legwork, uh, doing risk workshops, trying to identify the risk, getting people together to assess and evaluate, etc. Uh, ultimately, to report to the board, but to make sure the management team has a common understanding of the risk and, w- and what they're trying to achieve. Uh, in a smaller organization, whether it's right or wrong, internal audit often gets involved in helping to do that function. And they can't overstep the line and actually set things like risk limits and and make decisions, but they often are instrumental in helping smaller or medium-sized organizations to do this type of work. Obviously, in a larger organization where there is uh, an ERM-type function, enterprise risk management function, then in some ways, internal audit's role is easier because they can, to some extent, as Norman says, test and rely on the processes for doing this, and then they can focus on providing assurance that the big risks are being managed well. It's very important 
to make sure that, that things that people feel or assume are working well, they need to be verified. Classic examples would be, are the computers being backed up? Is the computer security adequate? Are procurement and purchasing policies being followed so that there is no um, embarrassment to, to management later mm -hmm. on? So all of these large things that people just assume are working, they have to be verified to give assurance to management and the board. Very interesting. So you, what you're saying, I believe, John, is get down to the basics. Don't overlook anything, even the smallest, most obvious thing, that bugaboo of, OMG, my computers are not being backed up. Where did the data go? Where did the this go? Where did that go? And how are we going to get it back? Whoops, we forgot. You're kidding me. When we come back, we're at a break point here. I'm talking to John Fraser and Norman Marks. When we come back, we're going to talk about a, uh, this may need to be embroidered on a piece of uh, fabric here. John Fraser says, there are many good internal audit functions with weak audit committees, but there are no weak internal audit functions with good audit committees. We're going to find out what he meant by that when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. I'm speaking to John Fraser from Hydro One Networks in Canada and Norman Marks, recently former SAP with years and years of experience. Our topic today is the role of internal audit, GRC, police or driver. Those of you living under a rock, GRC is governance, risk and compliance. But before we get to the police versus the driver, and I'm thinking race driver here, I want to ask John Fraser a question. I think this saying should be embroidered somewhere, not graffiti on the side of a subway wall, but put up in light somewhere. There are many good internal audit functions with weak audit committees. Now think about that. Good internal audit with a weak committee, but there are no weak internal audit functions with a good audit committee. John, translate for me. What are we talking about, please? Well, this is based on my many years of experience in other companies, uh, as well as talking to my uh, peers and uh, equivalents in other companies. 
because there are many in good internal audit functions out there, and recognizing that internal audit reports usually, uh, ho- hopefully administratively to the CEO and functionally to the audit committee. And in the audit committee's charter, there should be accountabilities that say the audit committee should be reviewing the quality and the work and the uh, audit program of the internal audit function. In other words, their job is to oversee what internal audit does. But I certainly have experienced and I'm aware of many good internal audit functions where they're properly staffed, they're doing a great job, uh, they're adding a lot of value, but the audit committee doesn't quite understand their role or what they are to do and are really not functioning very well. In fact, I've talked in other companies to chairs of audit committees who have said, well, you know, I've been the chair of an audit committee for 20 years, but I'm not really sure what internal audit does. Uh, So you can have a good internal audit with weak audit committees. However, if an audit committee is doing their job by Mm -hmm. overseeing the internal audit function, seeing what they do, uh, and assessing their work, then obviously they wouldn't tolerate or allow a weak internal audit function to exist. Uh, yes. And therefore, you, they would make sure that they had a good internal audit function in place. By osmosis or something a lot stronger. Thank you. Norman, agree, disagree that in your experience is that the case where given a good, strong audit committee, you will have a good, strong internal audit function? Hmm? I think that uh, John has it right. I would extend uh, the discussion yes. and and think that one of the and say that one of the problems um, for an audit committee and also for internal audit the leadership of internal audit is for an audit committee to demand what internal audit is capable of producing and that um, today is more than has been expected or, or required in the past. Uh, and I'm not talking just about the, the capabilities and the, the technology, but the fact that this is, a, as McKinsey talks about it, a, a turbulent uh, environment. The economy is changing. The risks are changing quite a lot. And internal audit has to, to step up and provide more and faster assurance on the risks that matter. And many audit committees, uh, unfortunately, are not demanding that internal audit do this. They're not demanding that internal audit provide opinions and audits on risk management or on governance processes because they're not used to doing it and therefore they're not demanding it and therefore internal audit in many cases is not providing it. Uh, And so coming back to the question you asked John earlier, are there very many strong uh, audit committees? I would say unfortunately no, simply because they don't necessarily understand what the full capabilities and potential um, of the services and, and, and value that can be delivered from internal audit are, and they're not demanding it. And so there, again, is a, some level of complacency. That's changing, and we'll talk about that later. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the first cough in 100 shows. I apologize. Thank you, Norman. Let's talk about what happens outside in regulators push for higher standards on governance after debacles. Great word, John, there, F. CPA, Enron, the credit crisis. What happens to these internal audit committees and the internal audit role when the regulators say, hmm, we have to make this stricter, more stringent. We have to make that mountain steeper to climb. How fast do companies react? How fast can an audit committee respond? John, you want to start with that? Well, unfortunately, you've just described what happens. And, uh, you know, it takes a crisis 
for governance to get ramped up. I mean, just mm-hmm. about every change in regulatory-driven governance comes after some form of crisis, whether it's uh, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act or back in the 70s after um, equity uh, funding had a massive fraud. Uh, the, it just drives regulator to require more of governance. And it's unfortunate that very little governance seems to be ever done voluntarily. So ah. often the question is trying to assess what's going to be the next big uh, crisis because it's always retroactive, right? The, the words and the lines of regulation coming out of uh, Dodds-Frank uh, just blows your mind away and it's not over yet. And, you know, Enron drove Sarbanes-Oxley in 404, etc. And, of course, then what happens is the, the management and the board feel compelled to to react and sometimes overreact. I mean, Sarbanes-Oxley was a gross overreaction. Billions of dollars were wasted in pushing paper around uh, because everybody jumped on and felt they had to do it before they got some sense about taking a top-down approach and, and, and bringing some sanity to the process. So, yeah, the governance standards still have a long way to go. Uh, I don't think we've reached anything close to good governance standards yet but it's unfortunately only ever driven by regulators after these, these, these crises. Thank you, John. Norman, want to weigh in on this, please? I think that, uh, again, uh, John has it right, and uh, I'll, I'll add to it. I think mm-hmm. that many times an organization reacts um, by addressing the, the hot point, the, the sore point that has been identified by the regulators, and they overreact to that and put all their focus on that instead of focusing on perhaps the root cause of what was going uh, on within the organization, um, maybe an organizational problem, maybe a systems or process problem. And so they, they focus on that. And I think over time people are starting to understand that if they step up uh, and, and look up a little bit more about risk management in general rather than any specific risk, then they're going to be addressing the point better. So we're starting to realize now that it's not only about this area of compliance or financial compliance, financial fraud, but it's does the company understand all the risks and is it managing those risks appropriately because mm-hmm. people are getting surprised in many different ways. And so I think um, over time, and we're, hopefully we're starting to get a little bit smarter, that people are paying more attention to risk management. And, of course, internal audit can be uh, a great driver of that, John being a great example in that he actually um, stepped up and took over um, the the founding and and implementation of risk management at Hydro One and and has now passed the baton on to somebody else. And I think that's very often the case. Something like 80% of risk management functions are actually set up and initially run by internal audit. Interesting. I, I want to bring something else into this mix, John and Norman. Norman, you told me before the show, you mentioned to me that uh, requirements for internal auditors come from the Institute of Internal Auditors Professional Standards and that these are requirements. Now, you pose a very interesting comment here. You say there are few more significant risks than those presented by ineffective risk and or compliance programs. That sounds like those risks are being generated from within. The company is creating its own threats, if you will. How do you, how do you feel about this? What do you say? The greatest risk is not knowing what your risks are. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, like it. driving, it's like driving down the road and not being able to see 15 feet in front of you. 
And, and that is unfortunately what happens with a lot of organizations. They don't have the capability of looking ahead and seeing what is in front of them. What are the potential pitfalls? What are the potential obstacles? What are the potential traffic hazards, weather hazards and such? And so that, that to me is, is the greatest risk. And, and people are putting in risk management and they are performing risk assessments on a very occasional basis, maybe every quarter. In some cases, I've seen uh, organizations doing it annually or even biannually. And how can you run an organization when you're only thinking about hazards and potential obstacles or things you can trip over, banana skins? If you're only looking mm-hmm. out the front window, uh, the, right. the windscreen of the car, uh, once every six months. There you go. And that brings us to our topic question. We have three minutes left to this segment, and then we have plenty of time when we get to the crystal ball because it's just the two of you, John Fraser and Norman Marks. But let's address – yeah, we're spreading the wealth here. Sorry Renee couldn't join us, but uh, you two are doing beautifully. Let's talk about our topic question, the role of internal office. Is it the GRC police? Are they the ones with the stick and the billy club, whatever you call it, your part of the world, and the phone that's ready to say, hey, I need need reinforcement, I need backup? they the driver for the good stuff, for good compliance management, for good risk management, for intelligent auditing. So what do you think? Where are we today in the evolution? John Fraser, is the internal audit role supposed to be GRC police or driver? Well, a lot of it it comes from the tone at the top. What does the board want? What does the audit committee want? What does the Mm -hmm. CEO want? And I think there are some management cultures uh, that want that kind of function. It is then up to the individual chief audit executive, such as myself, to decide whether they want to work in that type of organization. Uh, personally, I have avoided them because I don't mm-hmm. want to be seen as a policeman. And despite mm-hmm. my best efforts, I think of myself as a kindler, gentler kind of auditor uh, with um, you know, velvet gloves. There's always this, um, the word auditor itself tends to put some people off. In fact, in one of my previous lives, my role was called quality assurance because the CEO didn't want the term internal audit to, to upset people. So, but a lot of it has to do how you position yourself. Uh, certainly a lot of the routine uh, ticking and bopping type auditing I do not do. Uh, for example, all the sort of Sarbanes-Oxley work is done uh, in and out of the unit in our finance department, I tend to look at the biggest risks, the strategic risks, uh, things that are enterprise-wide. Uh, so I'm not viewed as a, a policeman, although if we find major issues, sometimes that does require a change in management on the project or whatever, uh, which doesn't always make you the most popular person with, with that immediate um, department. But, uh, no, we have positioned ourselves very much as a sort of value-add, strategic, how to improve the business, uh, how to make it more effective. Thank you, John. I'm going to turn this to Norman. And, Norman, I'm reading from your bio here, very impressive. Norman has been chief audit executive of major global corporations since 1990. Now, Norman, what was your calling card, your gnome de plume, if you will? If you were writing the book, would you have said you were the GRC police or the GRC steady as he goes or the race car driver? Where were you? What's your point of view, Norman? I think there are times when the internal auditor needs to give management a speeding ticket, okay, mm. Be- simply because there are posted rules that have been established by top management or the audit committee, and 
and management is violating them. And there are times when it's appropriate, if you like, to give them a speeding ticket, but they are not the judge and the jury, and certainly not the executioner. Uh, that uh, duties will leave to top management and the board. Um, what we will do is, is point out that that management has been speeding in a, in a, and driving in a, in, a, in a dangerous way, irrespective, uh, you know, not regarding the, the, the quality of the road and the conditions. But, and we, but we're also not really the driver because that's management role. But what we are, in a sense, if you're thinking about a race car, is we are the inspectors of the engine to make sure that mm-hmm. it is safe and helping the driver understand what hazards lie ahead and whether the, the, the systems and processes are safe for them to actually drive. So I don't see us, the policeman is not our desired role. John said it well, none of us like to be the policeman. Well, actually, not, that's not quite true. Neither one of us, I'll say, like to be the policeman, although we find there is a role for that sometimes. What we prefer to do is to help management understand and, and be more like the neighborhood cop. Mm-hmm. who is more the, the person that takes the, the teenager who is in trouble and guides them to safely, safety and, and to a, a more prosperous and um, successful life in the future. Wonderful. Thank you, Norman. Thank you, John. We're at our break before we go to our final segment, which is the crystal ball. I'm going to ask John Fraser and Norman Marks, please get out the chamois, the polishing cloth, or just the... <sighs> breath of hot air, if that's what you've got today from whatever you're drinking, and breathe some hot air on that crystal ball. I don't know how smoky or how back room it is or how dusty it is. Dust it off. When we come back, I'm going to ask each of you to look ahead five years to 2018, if you can see that far on a clear day, and tell me what will the role of internal audit be like in 2018? Will it still be called IA internal audit? Will we still use the term GRC? Very important information coming to us from John Fraser, Norman Marks, and I'm Bonnie D. Graham, host of The Party. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. Predictions coming up. Stay tuned. Brad out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And here we are, and it's time for our wrap-up segment called The Crystal Ball. But first, I want to remind my Game Changer listeners, you have vast volumes of business data there. What do they need? Instant access and, more than that, timely, insightful analysis. How to get there? SAP HANA to the rescue. Click any banner on our show page at spr.ly forward slash capital SAPR, lowercase a-d-i-o, that's SAP Radio, for our free value calculator with our compliments and see how it can help you. Okay, speaking with John Fraser and Norman Marks, and we're going to ask them to polish off that crystal ball. I already asked that I could hear them rubbing on that crystal ball and making it clean and shiny. And we're going to talk about what will internal audit look like? What will GRC even exist? Will it be called in 2018? Let's kick this off. Let's go for about two minutes each. John Fraser first. What do you see in the future, John, please? Okay. Um, first of all, I, I think there will probably be a greater uh, requirement for directors to get either compulsory education or voluntary. They will go and get more education, and that will mm-hmm. mean that more audit committees will have a better understanding of what they're they're supposed to be doing, as well as, as Norman says, the capabilities of internal audit. So their expectations will raise, and they will be therefore getting more for uh, having an internal audit function. In fact, internal audit functions, therefore, probably will expand and be asked to do more. But there is two possible. Uh, when I looked in my crystal ball, there were two scenarios. Mm-hmm. And okay. the first was that the business cycle is stable. As you know, the U.S. economy seems to be coming back, hopefully, and that there'll be no major frauds or blowouts, no sort of end runs or credit crisis. And therefore, internal audit will continue to provide more added value. They got distracted for about five years with Sarbanes Oxley doing very, very routine uh, tick and bop type auditing and really neglecting a lot of the more effective and efficiency types of internal audits. So I think that can return and internal audit will therefore uh, be able to add more value. This is a very slow and gradual type of scenario. The other scenario is that there's another major fraud. These things, as you know, happen anywhere between five and ten years. Uh, so there's another major spate of, of frauds resulting from a booming economy the, uh, in a few years' time, at which time there will be another uh, Enron credit crisis, overreaction, more regulation, and internal audit will be thrown into the breach to, to try and stem the, uh, the regulatory requirements. So there are two possible scenarios, and I hope it's the former. Okay. And will we still be calling it internal audit? And will it, I'm going to, I have a bonus question for both of you. Just answer sure. me that. John, will it still be IA, internal audit, whatever the initials are? Absolutely. Um, that's pretty well, um, entrenched. It's a worldwide franchise. I think there are about 170,000 members, uh, very professional. I think the professionalism will be recognized more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're often in many companies where they will pick someone who seems to be uh, close to retirement that was the head of, um, some other department and make them the head of internal audit without a recognition that it's a profession that requires training and experience. Um, I think that the IA is definitely here to stay. They're worldwide recognized. Um, I don't see major changes in the next five or even 15 years. Thank you very much, John Fraser. Norman Marks, what do you see in your crystal ball? Can you go 2018 or? I can go 2018 or or whatever, and let me let me answer three different questions, which I think you asked, Bonnie. First, mm-hmm. will there still be a GRC? Absolutely, there there will still be um, governance, there will still be risk management, there will still be compliance, 
and there will still be a need to tie the pieces together, uh, the pieces of the organization together, so that it can run effectively. Uh, so the performance is linked with strategy and, 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 and with risk management. Will there still be an internal audit, and will it continue to be called internal audit and under the aegis of the Institute of Internal Auditors? Yes, I think so, uh, but I think it's going to become more valuable and more important. And what I want to do is, is look into my crystal ball, but it's a little bit hazy because everything mm -hmm. is moving so much faster. Mm -hmm. And I think the world is getting faster, and that's not going to slow down. It's going to continue to accelerate. And what that means is that decisions are going to have to be made faster. Information is going to have to be provided in, in a more reliable and faster fashion. And, the, and management will run the business in a more agile, faster way. That means, therefore, that internal audit is going to have to provide assurance that those processes are up to the challenge, and it's going to have to provide that assurance much faster. One of the problems with a lot of internal audit departments is that they will look at major areas, and they'll take three months or even six months in some cases to provide any kind of feedback to management on whether things are going right. That's not acceptable. Management's running at speed. Management needs to have information about the quality of its systems at that same speed. So... My crystal ball is telling me it may take five years. The best organizations, I think, are already moving there, and in five mm -hmm. years are going to be absolutely there and working well. Others are going to take longer to get there, but internal audit is going to be providing assurance at the speed of the business, and that means it's going to be um, working with management uh, as, as a policeman as well as a navigator and a consultant, the pilot to the, to the bridge commander, if you like, and mm -hmm. it's going to be using technology much more in the same way as organizations are going to be using technology much more to drive the business. Thank you, Norman. I have a quick question for both of you, and I need just a yes or no answer, please. In the next five years, will the role of internal audit be something that young people in college will consider a sexy job? Will somebody go home to their parents at high school graduation and say, I'm going to go to school to be an internal auditor for one of the biggest companies in the world? Wow, what a career. Will it be sexy? John Fraser, yes or no? Fast. Can be. It can be. Okay, Norman Marks? Absolutely, it can be. Okay, good. Thank you. I have my predictions now coming up on Financial Excellence with Game Changers next week, Tuesday, May 21st. Compliance, spotlight on anti-bribery and anti-corruption. You don't want to miss that one. Sounds mysterious to me. We will unveil the mystery. And May 28th, the evolution of business planning. And, of course, on Wednesdays, we're here live at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. Coffee break with Game Changers tomorrow, May 15th. CR. You know what that means? Corporate responsibility. Is it a nice to have or a must have? We'll talk about sustainability, etc., etc. And May 22nd, we will revisit a, one of our favorite topics. How smart is BI without a strategy? Part four. Da, 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 da. I want to say a special thank you to my two guests who held their own beautifully. Thank you so much, John Fraser and Norman Marks, for joining me. Sorry, Renee Murphy couldn't, but things happen. I appreciate your climbing and jumping into the pool with me and having 
having so many good things to say and being so flexible. Thank you both. And a shout out to Aaron Hughes, Malcolm Kimberlin, Michael Lortz, and Brad, Ryan, and everyone at the Business Channel team. I'm off to do 14 interviews today with folks visiting at SAP Sapphire now in Orlando. So it's a busy day for me. And I have a call to action for all of you. Put your seatbelts on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Financial Excellence with Game Changers, brought to you by SAP. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.